You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. day of Christmas my true love gave to me Epiphany. <laughs> happy Epiphany Sunday. Some of you who did not grow up in mainline Christianity or been a part of it have no idea probably what Epiphany Sunday is. Uh, Epiphany Sunday is actually the third oldest Christian holiday. It has been celebrated since the fourth century and it is the first, uh, it, 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 it comes 12 days after Christmas and so it marks the 12th day of Christmas if you know the song, right? Uh, And in the Christian tradition that goes back to the 4th century, uh, mostly observed uh, in Western sects of Christianity, people would put little gifts inside of shoes. Um, And it was supposed to mark the arrival of the Magi to come and visit Jesus and bringing their gifts. And so children would wake up and they would look on the 12th day of Christmas and there'd be these little tiny gifts in their shoes. and so there's this sort of beautiful Christian tradition that in some ways I think we've, we've forgotten in certain parts of our Christian faith, but uh, mostly, mostly in the Catholic Church and the mainline traditions, they observe this day of epiphany, this day um, of a light shining and guiding people. This day, uh, simply, epiphany really just means mystery being revealed. Mystery being revealed. Now it's interesting to think about this. A mystery being revealed doesn't mean that it's a secret. It just means that we don't know it yet. And I think that's something that's really important for us to think about in the progressive Christian faith. Is there's, we have a lot of questions. And it doesn't mean there isn't an answer. It just means that for some of us, that mystery has not been fully revealed yet. And for some of us, in time, we will not know that thing. That generations from now, that mystery will be revealed and they will be made known to them. Just like there are things about our faith that we know and we understand now. That prior generations... They did not understand that mystery. And so this is, I think, a Sunday for us to remember the mystery of our faith. To remember that it's continually progressing and unfolding and changing and moving just as we as humans are progressing and changing and moving. Do you know what else was a mystery until the 1500s? Light. How light functioned. Galileo was the first person recorded to suggest that the sun and other planets didn't orbit around the earth, but instead the earth was moving. We didn't realize that until the 1500s. And this was actually quite controversial at the time. Lots of people pushed back against this mystery being revealed. But when it finally dawned on us, (laughs) insert dad joke, that's that the sun rose and set based on the earth's rotation. It changed how we saw and understood the world. It changed how we understood the solar system and where we were at in the midst of it. It it opened up a new ideas of the world and how we exist in it. Do you know who else had an epiphany about a mystery being revealed? Through astrology and light? The Magi, right? You know this story? Many of us maybe do. When they see this bright light, um, what they thought was a star in the sky, it is a mystery to them what this star means. It is a mystery to them what this star means. I wonder... Uh, it's kind of interesting to think about this, this from NASA, this quote, in 1623, the solar system's two giant planets, Jupiter and Saturn, traveled together across the sky. Jupiter caught up to and passed Saturn in an astronomical event known as the Great Conjunction. 
you know, the, there's these, all these moments, right, where these things happen in the sky and we see bright lights and we see things and planets crossing. And, and to us, because we have telescopes, we kind of know what's going on. We can sort of figure out, oh, yep, this is what's happening there and this is what's going on. But at the time, it would have been a great mystery to them. What's happening? So who knows? Maybe the Magi saw something crossing, two planets crossing. Maybe they saw some type of astronomical event that they didn't know or understand. And for those who are my astrology reading nerds, who I'm I'm a a Scorpio, I don't think it's, it's too far off to imagine that perhaps... On the day of Christ's birth, that some type of astrological sign, astrological sign happened in the sky that all of a sudden gave a signal to the wise men and others to ask and wonder, what's happening? What does that mean? What's going on in the earth? And to them, it was a mystery. To us, maybe we would assign certain meaning, but perhaps it's all connected. I don't know. I wonder if the Magi witnessed something in the sky that day that maybe isn't too far-fetched from what we think and understand today. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1. This is how the story goes when they see the star in the sky. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About some time later, the wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So these three wise men, they spot a star, and, and, and they're, they're most likely not identifying as Jewish. Okay? And so they're most likely, uh, their work, their idea, sometimes they're referred to as the Magi, sometimes they're referred to as the Three Kings, sometimes they're referred to as the Wise Men. Um, They have different names throughout our Christian traditions and within the Gospels. They would have been looking to the the stars for signs and directions. And they likely would have been very familiar with the Daniel prophecy about a star rising out of Judah in the book of Numbers, that a king would be born. And where, if a king is going to be born, where would you go? Probably to the capital, right? So where do they go in the story, they tell us? They go to Jerusalem. Er, wrong. Not where the Messiah is at. Uh, basically, they were like, we've got to be in Manhattan. That's where it's all happening. But instead, uh, they find out Jesus is not in Manhattan. They head off to Staten Island or the Bronx or fill in the blank. Okay, I'm not going to say Jersey City tonight. I'm not, I've thrown enough shade. I'm not going to do it. It's so easy to get to. The path is right there. I, I've tried to get to Staten Island and the Bronx. It's hard, but... Jersey City is easy, okay? So they're in the wrong spot, and so they take their journey from Bethlehem. We're in the wrong spot, and they decide to go where Jesus truly is, which is little old Bethlehem. Most unlikely of places. But then this is what happens while they're in Jerusalem looking for the Messiah. Verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? This is kind of interesting. Herod, history tells us, was, was a Jew. And as a Jewish person, you would think that he would be excited about the coming of the Messiah. You would think he would be hopeful and waiting for the prophecies to come true. But he's actually done something. He hasn't just convinced himself that a king or a Messiah should not come. He's actually, as this passage says, says everyone in Jerusalem isn't happy about it. They're also disturbed by it. This is, this is an angry Herod. This is an angry Herod. An angry Herod because why? There is only room for one king in town. And so the thought that these wise men are in town looking for a new king that has been born is nothing but a threat. It is not good news to Herod. And he has instilled enough fear in the people in the community that they too don't quite view this as good news in Jerusalem. This is disturbing news. This is scary news. He seems 
it's kind of interesting, he seems to have convinced everyone. I wonder, though, if perhaps the religious leaders were growing weary of waiting for the Messiah to come, and so they had just grown content with Herod. Kind of reminds me of our political system right now. People just content with, like, chaos and what is not good and what is not okay and, 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 and what would have never been acceptable a decade ago, people and politicians doing today, because it's just kind of, eh, status quo is the best we're going to get. I wonder, you know, this, this, this prophecy out of Numbers and, and, and out of the book of Micah about a Messiah that would come, it was 700 years old. It is multiple generations that are literally waiting for the light of Christ, for the Messiah to come. I don't know about you, seven generations, people are probably weary and tired and just kind of accepted this is our status quo. Perhaps Herod has decided that maybe there really isn't some king, maybe the prophecy is wrong. But in this moment, all of a sudden, anxiety is provoked because the Messiah is born and these people have come to the town looking for a new king and Herod is not okay with it. Let's keep continuing reading here. Verse 7. Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them that when the first star appeared, and then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him. Yeah, not right. Not going to happen. Liar. Okay. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. They did bow down and worship him. Herod had no plan to do that. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's something I want you to know. How many of you have, have like parents or grandparents or maybe you yourself have a nativity scene in your home? Can I see hands? Okay. How many of them... Keep the wise men and the magi away from the nativity scene until the 12th day of Christmas. Okay? You grew up Episcopalian? What did you grow up? Catholic. Catholic. Okay, that makes sense too. Catholics, Episcopalians are Catholic light, right? And so, uh, <laughs> you never heard that? Write it down. And they, they, this is why, because the wise men did not show up at the nativity scene. They were not there where Jesus was born. That is not the story. The scriptures actually tell us, right, and you hear in the story, that they visit him in a house, not a stable, and they visit him when he's a child, not an infant. And more than that, when Herod makes his decree to kill all the children under two years old, it's because it has been two years that they have been on this journey trying to find the Christ child. And so when they arrive, he's like, okay, everyone who's been born between this time to this time, it could be, it could be the king that they've been talking about. Kill them all between that period. And so they show up after these two years and they find the Christ child and they bring their frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Can you imagine if your Amazon packages came two years late? (laughs) Definitely would not be pleased with that, right? Matthew 2, verse 11 says, though, and 12, when it was time to leave, though, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So these wise men, after they've gone on this long journey, two years, they finally, they finally find the Christ child and they meet him and they bring in these gifts and they worship him and they're amazed by this moment. They leave all the wiser. They left changed after this two-year journey following the light. Pastor Angela sang in her song today, light will guide us home or lights will guide us home. I can imagine 
that as the Magi arrived to Jesus after this two-year journey of following the light in the sky, that they were transformed by the light that guided them home to a renewed vision and view and hope for the world. I bet their long journey home gave them a new sense of purpose. They came to Bethlehem with gifts, but surely they left with an even greater one. These wise men, magi, kings, whatever they were, they were, they were Gentiles, they weren't Jews, and yet they were moved by the introduction of the king of the Jews into the world. During their whole journey toward the light, they would have surely never known fully what or who they were moving towards. They likely also never even probably saw Jesus' earthly ministry begin 28 years later. They probably did not live that many more years with life expectancy. They saw this Christ child, this child, but they never really probably saw all that he would come and do and complete in the world. Which I want to call you to remember that we are part of a bigger story and that sometimes we don't always see and understand why certain things happen in the world or there's certain pains that we go through and struggles and hurt and we don't always see how God ends up using it for good in the end in our life because life is so much bigger and well beyond us and the mystery that is the few years that we live on the earth. They were astrologers and they were dedicated their lives to living with mystery and discovery. With every discovery, there was always more mystery to be revealed. That, that's what sort of pushed them, right? That's, that's what pushes people who work in astrology is that the universe is just sprawling and expanding and it's so complex and mysterious and unknown And we are in the midst of just a boom right now, again, of understanding the world beyond us and beyond what we can see even in the sky looking up or through telescopes. It is a mystery that is continually being revealed, and they were pushed by this mystery. I wonder if Jesus, if the star in the sky had appeared to anybody else, if they would have been as motivated to follow the star. It's almost as if God knew who would be most motivated to follow mystery, because there were so many of the religious elite who were not interested in mystery. They were interested in only the answers. They were interested in only telling people what the truth was and not asking any questions or following things towards a spirit of wonder. I think as we usher in the next 500 years of Christianity, that's the spirit we want to embody as a church. Not a church that provides all of the answers, but realize that there is mystery and there's complexity behind everything and anything. And any time or any moment we think we have all the answers when we've arrived is the moment that we have made a God out of ourselves or we have made ourselves God, for we will never understand everything. Only God can. And if we think we do, we're God. As I look back on 2023, I have to remind myself that this year was very challenging. It was also a journey towards light and mystery. It was a year revealed, the light revealed many issues in our world and many issues that we sit on the precipice in in 2024 that are not resolved. And the anxiety that we all carry in our bodies from it. It was a mystery that revealed the consequences of Christian Zionism. Twice as many, uh, in the Pew Research, uh, they, they, they find out that twice as many evangelical Protestants as Jews say that, they, that Israel has, a, has been given to the Jewish people by God, 82 to 40%. The harmful theology has caused the justification of the oppression and the genocide and violence against Palestinian Christians and Muslims who desire to coexist peacefully. It's interesting to think there that Christians think that the state of Israel is obliged only to the Jews more than the Jewish people themselves. There's a lot of stats and reasons for that, but it's deeply rooted in our Christian traditions and beliefs and doctrine that Jesus cannot come back until Israel has full reign and rule 
in this, I mean, until the Jews have full reign and rule in Israel. It is deeply rooted in our, in our doctrines and our theologies and our beliefs. But it is an interpretation of a scripture. It is not an absolute truth. Because I believe that Jesus came and appeared to the Gentiles, to the, to the, not to, to the Jews. He appeared to these Gentile magis to say, hey, I have come for all. This land is not just for one race. It is for all of my people, that they may love and live and coexist. But it is evangelical and Catholic theologies and traditions that have undergirded many of the conflicts that we see in the Middle East today. And as a church, we're going to continue to do work on this. As we're a church that needs to deconstruct and figure out how we're going to live into a progressive Christian theology in this area as well, as it is at the height of the conversation, not because it has just started happening, but because it is, it is forefront on our minds. Classic? Yes. And so we want to invite um, folks in the church who are passionate or interested in this. We're forming a task force who will be sort of discussing and discerning how it is that we can move forward and making recommendations to the leadership team and to the staff on how we as a church can live into our values around this topic. And so if you're interested in being a part of that task force, we encourage you to email ec at forefrontnyc.com and we'll be forming that and you'll be hearing in the next couple of weeks and months what initiatives we're going to be doing as a church to understand this issue because many of us don't understand it and so it's a mystery. And I think it's time for the light to be shined on the mystery and for the layers to be peeled back and for us to openly have conversations about things that have just been created norm or created great confusion. So I hope we can call... This was also a year that revealed deep, deep complexities and brokenness of our political system and the mysteries that still are to be revealed in the unprecedented events that have occurred in our political system that are still playing out in this upcoming election. We are a church that is political but not partisan, so I'm not going to wade into the weeds, but I am going to say this. I have tremendous anxiety in my body about what will play out over this next year and about the lack of um, stability and options that exist within our democracy, and it's scary. And I think it's important to name that the light is being shined on the broken parts of our system and may the light penetrate and transform as it did the Magi. It was a year that revealed the flawed nature of our poorly thought out abortion bans in the name of life, which has actually gone on to cause greater harm to life. The mystery of the depths of this injustice is still to be more fully revealed over this next year as stats come out. It has been a year of extreme weather events and slow peeling back the mystery of being revealed of the harm behind toxic Christian theology that focuses too much on the life to come that dismisses the life that is. It is a year that has shined a light, that reality that we, we have focused too much as Christians on a hope for a world to come that we have disregarded the care for the world we have been called to steward now. And may we continue as a church to shine light on the areas that people perhaps would like to turn a blind eye to or close their eyes to, or perhaps as Herod would prefer to kill in silence, the light and the source of light. With the wars raging on the, across the, the world, almost on every continent or on the brink on every continent, we grasp for light, church. We grasp for a better way to live in the world than an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a bomb for a bomb. 
The same light that gave hope to the Magi that they followed in hopeful expectation for where or what or whom the light would lead them led us to follow that light. That light is inside of each and every one of us. And when it feels dim and dark in us, may we look to the light inside one another. May we call each other in to deeper, more intimate conversations and advocacy. May the light shine and guide us home. Like the Magi in our story, after a long two-year journey, the scriptures tell us, they returned home, it says, by another route. I don't want 2023 to look the same as 2024. I don't. I want to go home by another route. I want to get to 2025, having taken a different walk, a different journey, having made different decisions, having been a different person, so that the world might be a different place. And that begins right in me. And so, church, I want to invite us to consider some questions as we start this new year about the light that we're following. Like the Magi, let yourself be changed by this light and love of Christ and ask these questions. And I invite you, take this picture, take your phone out, take a picture with it. Um, We'll post these questions on social media, but also feel free to maybe leave that slide up for a minute on the live stream so folks can just screenshot or take a picture on their computer. But yeah, I want you to take a picture, let this sit with you, and, and be intentional to take some time this next week and answer a few of these questions. You don't have to answer all of them. Don't overwhelm yourself, okay? But just, what, which questions in here speak to you? Which questions do you hear like, yep, that's for me. I need to answer that. I need to sit with that. What are the gifts that this last year has given you? What or where has the light in Christ, of Christ shined in a dark part of your life or your theology or the world that has left you changed? What has the long and hard journey over this last year taught you or changed you? When we arrive on the other side of 2024, how do we want or how do you want to live differently? Where will you, like the wise men, seek to grow and to change? How will you live differently because of the ways that the journey has changed you? That is our hope. Those wise men left changed and transformed after their encounter with Jesus. So changed and transformed that guess what? They did not go back to Jerusalem to Herod to deliver Christ to him so that he could end the light and hope of the world. Instead, they said, nope, we're going to protest. We're going to go back a different way. Herod is going to be ticked. We are going to really upset some people. He's going to come looking for us. We may not survive this, but sometimes making the right decisions for the light and hope and future of the world means not falling in step with the powers that be and the ways and theologies and practices that we have been taught. It means returning a different route, an unfamiliar route, a scary route, a place where you don't know where it will go or who will find you. But it is the route that Christ calls us to. It is the route that Christ grows up 28 years later and calls his disciples to follow. And it is the route he chooses, even though while in the garden he is sweating blood because he does not want to go to the cross. But he chooses a different route, the route of light, the route of hope, the route to not resist through violence as Peter went to right away with a knife in his hand to cut off the soldier's ear and Jesus said nope we're going to heal that we're going to make that right this is the path we're going on let us return out of this next year a different way a better way amen Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. 
To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.